All right, y'all. You remember the book of Romans? You remember that? (laughs) We're going there tonight. I promise. Last week, I didn't promise, so I didn't break my promise. Um, (laughs) We were going to read this last week, and we didn't because we had other things going on, and it was good, wasn't it? If you weren't here last week, I'm sorry. You missed it, but it was awesome. Um, so we're going to do our last read through in the book of Romans. Everybody say, wow. Wow. Already? Yeah, already. (laughs) (laughs) Um, before we do, okay, so we're going to be in Romans 12, which we've, we've been in already a little bit. Um, but we're going to start at the beginning of Romans 12 again. And we're going to read through um, chapter 15 tonight. Um, But before we read that, I want to do a little bit of a recap of a few things leading up to this section and then give a few minutes of um, introduction, sort of some things to think about and uh, look for as we read um, this portion tonight. So um, this is really the application portion of this letter uh, from 12 on. And so prior to 12, what we've really um, been reading, what Paul's been building is the um, really the gospel underpinning for then the things that he's going to say. Now, this is what you should do in light of that. Um, And so Romans 1 through 11 is really building the gospel. Um, an understanding of the gospel and unpacking that for us. And so we started all the way back in Romans 1 and the first three chapters of Romans, if you remember, are really about how everybody is in need of the gospel and helping break down any anything that would keep us from believing and seeing that everyone is in need of the gospel. Everyone is in need of a savior and that, in fact, uh, none of us can save ourselves. So that's really uh, the first part of Romans, Romans one through three. And that culminates with this declaration that um, the provision of God has come in the person of Jesus to bring salvation to anyone that would believe in him. And so Romans three, 21 through 24 uh, is Uh, really brings us into that. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Um, so after Paul establishes that we're all in this together and that God has taken care of all of it for us through Jesus, Romans four and five really begins to talk about how this, um, not only how this salvation comes through Jesus, but how it's received through faith in him, um, through, um, Faith, God has been saving his people from the beginning until now. And um, Jesus is who that faith is 
uh, ultimately in, and it's apart from our efforts. So Romans four and five kind of build on that. And then Romans six through eight is really um, Paul beginning to establish in light of what God has done, in light of the salvation that he's brought through Jesus, um, how that has actually changed us and who we are now and who we are becoming now in Jesus. So it's not just this, um, it's not just this destination, but it's actually a process that is occurring and has occurred in us and is occurring in us um, because of him. And so uh, we begin to hear about our identity now in Jesus. And that culminates in Romans 8 with the life empowered by the very spirit of God living inside of us. Okay. Uh, Romans 8, let's just read um, a little bit of that. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. One more section leading up to Romans 12. And it's on the topic of salvation, but specifically um, addressing the role of Israel in God's plan of salvation, the role of Israel. And essentially what Paul is highlighting is um, just how God, uh, good God is that he would be able to accomplish Um, this plan and purpose to bring everyone into salvation. And he affirms that God has indeed not forgotten his chosen people and that he will have mercy on those that he has um, originally called. So we see um, that really um, God's plans and purposes for Israel um, are not forgotten and in fact are continuing and will be brought to fruition. And if we, if we had been able to do that um, that fast from the get-go, we would already be done. And that brings us to Romans 12. And we've already talked a little bit in Romans 12. Um, but I want us to think about it now um, in light of this. Everything that he has said about what God has done about our need, about the provision of God, um, about this new life in him. Now Paul begins to address um, what do we actually do with that? What do we do with that? And so you can have all of the the nuts and bolts of the gospel, um, of God's plan, of, of what he's accomplished, Um, But I would argue that it's incomplete until we understand how it's meant to not only um, change us, but how it's meant to actually um, uh, um, inform the way that we live. So part of the change is, in fact, that it should inform the way that we live. Um, And so uh, very intentionally, Paul begins to unpack 
um, that, that question, if you will. How do we live in light of this gospel that we've heard? Um, and so that's what we're going to read tonight. Um, and I want to kind of frame it because, you know, it's not, um, it's not all, all inclusive, doesn't cover everything. But specifically, Paul addresses um, that question and some, gives some practical perspective in regards to how we as Christians are to interact towards, um, I've identified it as five different groups of people, okay? Um, how we as Christians are meant to interact uh, with these five different groups of people. And um, specifically, it's first other believers, the body of Christ, um, how we are to act towards um, the community around us, how we are to act towards uh, our enemies, okay? How we are to act towards government and how we are to act towards weaker brothers and sisters in Christ. So kind of coming back full circle to the family of God. Um, so we're going to read about that a little bit tonight. And then Paul kind of ends this with talking a little bit more about his plans. There's actually one more chapter, chapter 16. Um, but we're going to stop it or read through at 15. And um, the second half of 15 is really Paul beginning to talk, shift gears a little bit to talk about what he's up to. Um, there was one last thing. One last thing. What was it? Um, oh, um, little caveat. There are some things that we're going to read even tonight that... Um, I would argue are somewhat controversial in, in terms of like what they mean and how we're meant to understand them, but I'm not going to unpack it all tonight. Uh, but specifically Romans 13, I think is a really, um, I would argue has been a, a prolifically misunderstood passage. Um, um, and then Romans 14 has some really interesting things that I think have also been um, at times misunderstood, misapplied within the body of Christ. So um, I just want to kind of give the heads up as we read this to just know that we are going to spend time over the next few weeks to unpack some of those things, address some of those um, issues and questions that you may uh, or may not have or may have and didn't know you had. Um, so we will get there, okay? Um, let's just read this first part real quick and, and then... Um, we'll jump into the rest, but this is really, uh, this is the, the, the segue, if you will, from, from Paul talking about this, this gospel that we received to um, beginning to direct his attention to what we do with it now. Um, he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Living sacrifices. So that's really the descriptor of what it is to actually live out the message that we've heard. And, and here Paul's going to unpack some of that. So before we read it, why don't we just um, pray into that. God, we thank you that... Um, you love us. We thank you that you have 
redeemed us. We thank you that um, what you have shared with us, what you revealed to us through your son, um, God, it's, it's um, not only is it amazing, but it's for everyone. And um, God, as your people, we want to... Um, we want to live in such a way that we affirm that. Affirm your heart for humanity. Um, affirm the truth of who you died for, everyone. And um, affirm your desire um, that everyone would know you. So God, I pray as we read this tonight, even that... Um, that you would even just highlight something that you want to either affirm and encourage in us or challenge us with in regards to what it actually means for us to live like you, what it actually means to represent your name, to bear um, the name of Jesus through our lives lived. So Holy Spirit, breathe on your word. And let it be um, life-giving in the way that you intend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Romans 12 through 15. Buckle up. Continuing in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. 
Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Chapter 13. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command they may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissensions and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Chapter 14. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so in the Lord. For they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. 
For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the living, the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, be, do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again, it says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up. One who will arise to rule over the nations and him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of our of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power 
of the Holy Spirit. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with the knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you, and while passing through, and and to have you assist me in the journey there, after I've enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Asai <laughs> were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will, and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Let's pray, and we're going to receive communion tonight. God, thank you. We bless your name. We come again to the place um, that is the beginning and the end of our faith. And it's in the person of Jesus and his work on our behalf on the cross. And so tonight we come to receive the sacrifice by which we're called to sacrifice as well. The body of Jesus broken on our behalf and the blood of Jesus shed for the forgiveness of our sins.
and we bless your name. And as we take this tonight, we confess again that we need you. We need you. We need you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When you're ready, you can come and we'll close and worship.